All right, so West Virginia coming off of a huge win last night against Texas Tech on the road, taking down the Red Raiders 82-71. to That's five in a row in the conference right now. What is it about Bob Huggins as a coach that just gives him that ability to seemingly turn things around whenever the Mountaineers have trying times? Well, I think one thing would lean toward experience. Uh, I don't think that he gets frazzled too much because he's been in the business for so long. He's probably seen every potential scenario uh, throughout his career. Uh, up until this year, he hadn't dealt with a pandemic, but now he can add that to his resume. So I, I do think that a lot of it has to do with experience, and I just think there's a lot of you know, uh, intellectual property, so to speak, that he's been through situations before. He knows when to push. He knows when to pull back. Uh, specifically, I thought that, you know, he made a very uh, daring move, I think, after the Iowa State game when he came out and said that this was his worst defensive team ever. And by that, I think that he put all of his chips into the middle of the table and basically just dared his team um, to improve itself. And the issue there is, had they not responded well as they did against Kansas, that saying you're the worst defensive team ever could have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. But instead, he hit the button. And I think it's those types of things. I think the, the same thing with Derek Culver. Um, yeah, I think Hugs pushed the button there before the game against Kansas with David McCormick of the Jayhawks. Continued just to rave about how good of a player he was and how much improved he was. And all of that was intended not so much to blow up David McCormick as it was to motivate Derek Culver. And Derek responded uh, with, with a big performance. So long answer to your short question, uh, Michael, I just think that he, he's got a good feel for the most part, as to which buttons to press. And sometimes you hit them and sometimes you don't. But uh, in this particular stretch, he's hit the right buttons. Because going back uh, just a little over a month ago, the Mountaineers were sitting at 9-4, and 2-3 and three in conference. Shibwe had just transferred. Uh, and then there was that terrible loss to Texas. The season just kind of seemed to be in peril at the time. Were you concerned at that point? Well, yes and no. Um, I, I think, as you alluded to, the Texas loss was particularly hard to digest because it was there for you. And you looked at it and you said, you know what, that was one you've got to get if you're going to be an upper division team in this race. And so that one really, really hurt. And you wonder at that point, okay, now you still have to go to Texas, you still have to go to Baylor and fill in all the blanks, including Texas Tech. So I was concerned. Uh, but at the same time, the positive side was that, hey, you know, that Texas team at that particular time was was playing extremely well. So you said, you're right there. I mean, you you can play with these teams. I think we've known that all season long, ever since the Gonzaga game, that when they're on, they can play with absolutely anyone. And uh, you were just wondering the internal workings of the team with the loss of the two big guys, Isaiah Cottrell and Oscar, were they going to be able to do an in-season um, you know, renaissance, so to speak. Can they convert themselves to a team that was basically inside, inside, and now all of a sudden take advantage of those shooters that they have? And the answer is yes. Um, I, don't, I didn't pound the numbers after last night's game, but, you know, last I knew, West Virginia had increased its number of three-point made baskets per game by four since the departure of those two guys, and they have increased their scoring average. I think it's approximately at least six points per game from where they were. Hugs came out as soon as Oscar had left, if you remember that first press conference, and said, 
we're going to win games and we're going to be better. And I think a lot of people went like, what is he saying, right? It's kind of like uh, he was like Nero, Rome's burning and he's fiddling. But that was what he had to say. Uh, whether or not he 100% believed it or not, he had to say it to give his team a shot of confidence. We can get this done. And then based upon his comments coming out of last night's game, it seems as though the guys are using this as a rallying point where many had thought that they were cooked when those guys left. And instead they're saying, no, we can become a better team. And you know, to this moment, they're showing that they have. WVU definitely has had some really nice offensive fluidity during this winning streak. Sean McNeil had 26 last night. Deuce McBride put up 20. How fun has it been to broadcast good shooting uh, with this West Virginia Mountaineer team? Because it's not always what we're accustomed to. Oh, it's awesome, man. I mean, when that ball goes through that hole, right? I mean, it entirely changes the complexion of games. And I think that we're being treated here, uh, you know, especially as we watch Deuce grow uh, in every game. Uh, Here's a kid that's only played, last night was his 50th game. And he's sitting here as a sophomore averaging 16 points. He's got four rebounds per game. He leads the team with 86 assists to just 35 turnovers. So he's better than two to one. He leads the team in steals. You know, we did a little comparison over the weekend between he and Javon Carter in their first 49 games at West Virginia. And with the exception of one percentage point in free throws and I think one steal, Deuce had better numbers than Javon did. So, you know, extremely encouraging. And then we always knew that Sean McNeil could shoot the heck out of it. His deal was more, you know, just on a game-to-game basis, getting his confidence. And you hope now that, um, you know, he turned the corner. Now, he only had three against Kansas on Saturday, and then he gets you 26. And so, you know, he and we as fans need to find the happy medium where he's going to be that guy. Um, You know, last year, he made 29 threes all season, which led the team, and now he's sitting here at 40 made three-pointers, and you've got two other guys, Taz with 31 and Deuce with 31 threes. And, you know, quietly, um, this team has gone from, uh, you know, early in the season, We I think we came out of a lot of games saying, like, I thought this team was supposed to shoot well. And we're going, like, where's that? But as of right now, West Virginia – in all games played, is second in the Big 12 in three-point percentage. They're hitting 36%. The only team above them is Baylor, and the Bears can knock it down. They're at 43%. But West Virginia is at the two spot in three-point field goal percentage. And, you know, it's encouraging that they're at three overall in three-point field goal percentage defense. So, um, you know, there's a lot of categories, and there's a lot of areas where this team still has to get better. But at least, you know, we're sitting here as we head toward the middle of February, and you've got momentum on your side. Normally what happens at this time of the year is, you know, reality check sets in for a lot of teams and those preseason hopes and thoughts and fantasies that they had about rolling along and having a great season, they're gone now. And some teams begin to fade, and you need to have a good feel about you right now. And I think this West Virginia team, you know, based on these last couple of games, has that feel um, that they can be a good team. And, that, and that's probably as important as anything else right now. Where do you see Deuce McBride's ceiling, and what aspects of his game do you think that he needs to develop uh, to make himself a better NBA prospect? Well, I think that when you talk to when I've talked to NBA people, um, you know they love they love what they see. But is he the finished product yet? No, um, I think that he's he's what they wanted to see more of is that at any time he can just take a game over 
and get to the basket. And, you know, a couple of times this year he hasn't done that. And that was what they were kind of wondering and wanting to see. But I do think now that he's starting to do that. I mean, you just take an example, you know, Saturday against KU and then last night. I mean, he is just – he's tough, man. I mean, when you can take the ball off the bounce and get your shot or take it to the rim. So I just think it's experience. You know, my personal opinion is, again, talking to these folks, they think he needs another year of seasoning. I think because of COVID, it's going to be another weird year of workouts as far as guys wanting to get drafted. And, you know, I've been told that his best play would be to um, get better, in the off season, have another great year, and then after you know his junior season, put his name in and see what the evaluation is. I mean, I think he's a pro. I think he's going to play basketball for money. Um, all indications are leaning toward that. Uh, it's just at what point does he pull it? And at this point, I would think, you know, just overall, I mean, consider this: he's only played 50 college basketball games and hardly played at all, right, at the end of his high school career, and made that transition from a two-sport guy football basketball to an only basketball guy so he's got great upside I mean great upside he's got an unbelievably bright future plus the other part of the deal is besides you know bouncing the ball and doing all that stuff he's absolutely a role model person character wise so teams can pick him and know they've got no issues whatsoever um, so he's got everything in his uh, you know, everything on his side he just needs to continue uh, to get stronger bigger develop more experienced and that he could be a great great player were you guys on site in Lubbock last night or doing the game remotely? No, we've done all remote for basketball. We've been on I was on the road for football. I will be going to the Big 12 tournament, but we've been doing everything in Morgantown. Okay, the reason I asked, I was just wondering uh, if if you saw Chris Beard's tantrum up close and personal last night. Not in person. No, I saw I saw it on the video like everybody else. Uh, that was a performance. What what did you think about that? I don't think I've ever seen quite an amazing an outburst <laughs> that was quite that amazing from from a head well, coach. Where's that rank on your all time coach freak out? Uh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good. I've seen some good freakouts. That's that's uh, that's a good one. He 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 uh, he put the exclamation mark on it when he went down on the floor. I think that's that's going to be the separator. A lot of guys lose their mind, but that was the separator there. I mean, you get it. He's going to get beat. He knows he's going to get beat at that point. And then he sees his only hope offensively, Mac McClung, foul out. And then you had the bang-bang on the floor with Deuce lifting up to call a timeout, and they called the foul. And so I could absolutely see it happen. Um, But I was surprised that he, he did take it to the level of going out onto the floor and going down. All right, so West Virginia is going to play Oklahoma this Saturday in Norman, 1 p.m. tip. Oklahoma's typically been a tough matchup for the Mountaineers in the past, but the way WVU's played offensively recently, uh, maybe it could be a different result this time around on Saturday. What do you see out of this matchup, and, and what are the keys to victory against the Sooners? Well, you're exactly right. I think that Lon Kruger could very well be the coach of the year. He's done an awesome, awesome job. He's a wonderful coach, and he's got his guys playing. They got a lot of talent. They got a lot of experience. Uh, when you start with Reeves and then Brady Manick and then Harmon, and, and he just does a really good job with them. I think that West Virginia will look at this game as a great opportunity in that 
they were playing their first game without Oscar when they played in Norman. And as you remember, fell behind by 18 points and then had an unbelievable rally. That was in that two-game road trip, which included Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Then they get down by 19 at Oak State, and they win the game. So I think for West Virginia, they're probably saying, we could have beat these guys in our first game of our revamped look. Now let's get them. However, um, they're good, and they're seasoned, and they're problematic. So you got to be careful if you're West Virginia in that you don't think, okay, we just want to tech. Now we're going to come home and we're going to be fine. Now they've got to have as much uh, of that great tenacity that they displayed last night and against Kansas just to be there against Oklahoma. So nothing is easy. It'll be a really, really tough battle. As you know, the uh, crowd will increase, and you hope that it helps, up to 2,800 fans max. So that'll be a good sign. So um, hard, hard game. They're, they're, they're extremely good, and you just got to keep on keeping on if you're WVU. West Virginia looking for a sixth straight Big 12 win against Oklahoma on the road this Saturday. That's uh, the voice of the West Virginia Mountaineers, Tony Caridi, joining us today. I really, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's nice to be with you.